Hi, everybody. A big welcome to you. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm feeling particularly aware of the passing of time this year, so Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2019. To start the year off right, this week, the amazing Cecilia Towns joins me. Cecilia is a former tennis player at Howard University and a graduate of UCLA School of Law. She founded Gladiate Hers, LLC, to empower women who want to achieve their maximum potential. She is dedicated to helping women discover and walk their purpose, improving the image of women in sports, and on preparing athletes for life after sports. Cecilia serves on the board of directors for the national nonprofit Play Like a Girl and is a contributing writer for ESPNW. She and her team are in the final weeks of preparation for the Gladiators Summit in Atlanta on January 30th. In the episode, she talks about what to expect at the summit and about the other ways she offers career guidance and insight to female college athletes, young professionals, and anyone who wants to tune in. There are lots of other goodies in the conversation, including about scarcity, meditating, negotiating, and my favorite, a bit about how meal planning is rubbish. Before we get started, just a reminder that Hear Her Sports has some new swag available on the website shop at hearhersports.com shop. Check it out. Support the podcast. We need you to keep listening and to spread the word. Well, enough of that. Let's get to it. Joining me today is attorney and sports lover Cecilia Towns, also known as Sporty Esquire. It's a real treat to have Cecilia here because I feel a real connection with what she's doing and how she started. Her work empowering women and working with collegiate athletes leaving competitive life started with the blog GladiateHers.com in 2012 because she wasn't happy with how women are portrayed in sports media. That blog, still going strong, highlights women in sports. Welcome, Cecilia. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me. You're involved in so many things. So how do you describe yourself? Um, a renaissance woman, maybe. <laughs> it's probably I'll best. say. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I really honestly would say I'm just a woman who goes after the things that she likes and that the things that, that drive her. And so sometimes that makes it uh, my life a little hectic. But I'm never, I never really feel just worn out because I feel like the things that I am spending my time on are things that I, I really want to be spending my time on. That's great. Yeah. Well, let's start with a big picture question. Why are sports so important to you? And I mean that for you personally, but also why is spreading the word about the value of sports so important? For me personally, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be where I am without sports. My dad gave my brothers and I the gift of sports ever since we could pretty much walk. We were playing tennis, basketball, soccer. I even played football. Um, and so it has been really, it's like a part of my DNA. It has taught me a ton of lessons about winning, about losing about just competing, about believing in myself, about just being fearless. I, I think that, you know, some people, you know, kind of look at me and they're like, well, how do you just do things? And I, I think it's because of sports. I just, I just know to execute. You know, you have um, a play or an idea in sports and you just do it. And so that is translated to my regular life or my life outside of sports as well. And so, um, you know, I think that sports has the power to give that to every person, really. But especially when we're talking about women, 
you know, society very often um, likes to mute women, um, likes to sort of treat us in a manner that is a bit secondary. And I think sports is the perfect way to counteract that. You know, sports teaches girls and women to be fearless, to be bossy, um, uh, to be tenacious, to not be timid. And so, you know, for me personally, but for society as a whole, I think if you want to create a society of strong women, sports is a great place to start. What about girls or women who are not sporty or don't consider themselves sporty? Um, I think that you, those women, I think everyone has the ability to exercise their body in some way. You know, obviously outside of people um, who might be physically challenged, even if you don't think that you, um, you know, are Serena Williams, you have the ability (laughs) in you um, to be active, right? Yoga, walking. And so I think any sort of physical activity can be turned into a challenge, can be turned into something that motivates you. And to me, you know, that is that is being sporty. That is being an athlete. And so that's the one side of that, that you as long as you are physically able, you you can be an athlete. And then the other side is that even if, you know, physicality isn't really your thing. There are a lot of gyms that you can learn from athletes when it comes to your career and your life. And that's actually kind of one of our messages of gladiators is that, you know, maybe you didn't play college sports, maybe you didn't play professional, maybe you didn't even play, you know, peewee league. But if you're trying to make it in your career, there are a lot of things that you can learn from athletes that can help you be successful. That's great. That's really great. In a recent Voyage Atlanta article, you mentioned struggling with the general lack of interest for women's issues and women in sports. This has been a struggle also for Hear Her Sports, I'll have to say. Mm. And since you started the blog in 2012, which is a while ago now, and you've been expanding and developing gladiators, can you talk a little bit more about this lack of interest and maybe how that's changed since 2012? And, you know, are you feeling optimistic going forward? Um, it's changed immensely. I mean, I remember when I started the blog, it was kind of just me and my family and close friends who were reading it. (laughs) Um, And they were doing that out of obligation. Um, So we fast forward to 2019. You know, we've had the Me Too movement. We've had um, some great historic moments in women's sports, soccer, Olympics, tennis. And so I think there are we have come leaps and bounds, honestly, since 2012 um, regarding the interest in women's sports. I I would think that ESPNW has had a lot to do with that, with, you know, putting um, women's sports on a, on a major platform and doing so at a constant rate. Um, And so I I think it it has improved for the better. Um, And I, I think it's also, apparent just in, you know, our social media following, um, the interest in the events that we're doing. I think more, the more women that know that um, sites like Gladiators are available to them, the more they're telling one another and the more they're wanting to be a part of it. And even honestly, the reaction that I've received from men is pretty, is pretty amazing. A, A lot of our support comes from men 
who read the blog, who um, want to attend our events, who are telling their moms and sisters and girlfriends about what we're doing. Um, and so I think it's part of society as a whole that is saying, hey, like, let's chill on ignoring women and um, let's acknowledge that they have something to bring to the table, not just in sports, but in society as a whole. You know, you look at politics and how many more women are being elected to public office and how many more women are sitting in C-suites. And, you know, we do have a ways to go, but I think it, it, the, the interest in women in sports and women's empowerment is a, a reflection of society as a whole. I like, and we'll talk about this later, but one of the things I like about what you're doing is you're talking to women about how they can promote themselves. And that's something yes. that I've seen in, in Hear Her Sports is, you know, I really want the women to start shouting out about what they're doing and, you know, speaking in that way and, and getting attention for themselves. Absolutely. I mean, I, um, I truly believe that nobody can toot your horn better than you. You know, nobody knows you better than you. Nobody knows the sacrifices. Nobody knows your visions, your dreams better than you. And so I do think I agree that as as women, we have to get out of this whole being shy thing. Um, I actually just did a Working Women Wednesday this week about deflecting. You know, women as a whole, we tend to deflect from attention uh, and we have to stop doing that. We, we have to shine the light on ourselves, on the great things that we're doing in, until and in concurrence with the light other people are willing to shine on us. Those Working Women Wednesday videos are really terrific. Thank you. <laughs> they're, you know, they're under 10 minutes and they're so packed with information. I'd, I'd have loved to have those available when I was starting out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it, it just kind of, I, I can't really tell you exactly the moment when I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to like start doing these videos. I do know that um, just um, my friend and business partner and a lot of things, Charlene Castellanos, she was always telling me like, listen, you are dropping gems to your mentors. Like you should really, you know, start telling everybody these things. And, you know, the things that you write, it's cool and all, but, you know, people aren't really reading like they should. They're, they're looking at videos. So she was definitely um, sort of, um, sparked a light under me to to start doing the videos, but I really I really enjoy doing them, and it, it it really is amazing when I sit down and start planning like my month of what I'm going to talk about. I kind of amaze myself. I'm like, oh, you do know these things, and like, yeah, I I wish the same like you that when I was just starting that I had someone telling me these things. Yeah, and I encourage everybody to listen to them, even if you're well into your career. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. And, you know, I love you talked about mentors. I really liked how in I think it was a while ago you talked about mentors and sponsors. And I thought it was great how you mentioned how important it is for women uh, to find mentors who look like them in especially in fields that are not as diverse as you might like. Absolutely. I think that I mean, on the mentor front, you know, you can have men, obviously, who are mentors, but. Um, there's just um, a level of connection that you are going to be missing just because we have different experiences. And so I think that the advice that a woman can give you as a mentor is just um, it's impactfully different than the advice and the counsel that a man can give you. Right. Um, and so I do think that it is so important for women who 
have made it to a certain level to find the time to be open to mentor other girls because it really is going to be crucial for for women as a whole to be lifting as we climb right i i am a firm believer i you know believe in equality i believe in equal opportunity but i also know that the forces of power they never give up power willingly right so women in these C-suite positions, women even in these mid-level positions, it is going to be up to us to say, okay, I have this position. Now I have to fight to, to make sure that other people have this opportunity. So I have to mentor people. I have to advocate for people. And I just think that, you know, women can do that in a, in a different and special way than men can. And again, that's not to say that you can't have men who are mentors. It's just, Find you a woman also. You know, if you have mentors who are men, look and seek out the women as well. Yeah. It also shows you that you're not all alone. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You, you, you sort of implied this, but you're incredibly generous with your knowledge and helping other people. How do you balance sharing all that information with others and not giving too much away of yourself and, and you know, making sure that you're keeping time for yourself? Yeah, so I, um, and this is probably based on um, my faith, um, I just don't believe in scarcity. I believe that the more I share, the more I'm going to have. So there honestly is never really a concern for me that I'm going to um, run out of content or that I'm going to, um, you know, lose my ability to share. I, I just, that's not the way I think. Um, now, when it comes to my time, I do have to be mindful that there are only 24 hours in a day. And so um, I do just I just try to prioritize. Right. So um, one of the things that's important to me to making sure that I sort of recharge and am not overextending myself is my morning routine to to meditate to work out. And, you know, people like to have workout buddies, but, and I, I have had some really great workout buddies, but I have learned that I really need to work out by myself. I really need to meditate and stuff by myself because I am giving to people throughout the day. And so I think that's how I balance, um, sort of being giving of my time and then also giving of my knowledge. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, how are you, working with the collegiate athletes that you're working with and to expose them to a wide range of professions available because I was that's something that I think is really interesting is that because there aren't a lot of representatives in these professions it's also it's always not clear that you know we can be there right right so um I played tennis at Howard and I ended up going to law school at UCLA and once I got there, I really started thinking about how I got there, right? And I started realizing that um, there was just no career services that really directed me to the path of from being an athlete to sort of a regular Joe. We used to call them stray birds at Howard to being a stray bird, which is like <laughs> someone who is not on a team anymore. And so once I finished with law school and started practicing, I, I, I wanted to make sure that fewer and fewer kids had that experience, that there were more kids who had direction, more kids who um, had an understanding of the possibilities. And so I started beyond the game. 
And as time has gone, Beyond the Game and Gladiators, the blog, have pretty much merged into Gladiators, the brand. And so what we do is we provide workshops for student athletes. And in those workshops, we talk about things like their personal brand development. We talk about goal setting. We talk about professional development to get them to see that the things that they've learned as an athlete are so very transferable to life outside of sports. The other thing is we that we you know we encourage them to attend our events and we make um, uh, a really big effort to get people to sponsor them. You know, I remember when I was a student athlete, I didn't have any money, and so um, we really try to make it a, make it possible for them to attend at no charge by getting them sponsored. So again, that is just introducing them to you know the host of of potential careers that are still in sports, but it gets them introduced to potential mentors. And again, just seeing other women in these roles, you know, just opens up the realm of possibility for them. So you're actually going into the schools and and doing the workshops at the college? Yes, yes. So the way we operate is we get the administrations um, to really pay our fee. So it's free to the student athletes. And what kind of um, professions are these students ending up in? Like, what, what are you directing them to or how are you guiding them? Yeah, so I don't want to ever shut off anyone's dreams or goals. And so really how we start is um, we ask them if they had no possibility of failing, like what would they do with their lives? And usually they come up with some really great ideas. And it's like, I, I just tell them that's what you need to follow, you know, those, those epic dreams that you have, follow that because all of those things are possible. And, and so that's how it starts. And then you just start developing your professional skills, your, your um, sort of uh, your playbook in line with those, those big ideas that you have. And how are the students reacting? Are they sort of surprised about some of the stuff that you're telling them or does it seem natural to them? Yeah, no, they, I think they, it's, it's usually a realization like, oh, I did know that, or, <laughs> oh, I did, <laughs> I didn't think of that that way. And it's very interesting because I don't want it to sound like I'm coming in because nobody is helping. Their, their um, student athlete uh, advisors are telling them this stuff all the time, right? But it's like the kid and their parent. I, I'm sick of hearing mom and dad say this. I'm not going to believe it because mom and dad are telling me. So it's, it's the same thing. My, my student advisor has to tell me this stuff. I'm not listening to them. So when they do bring in someone who's saying pretty much the same things or they're saying it the same way, it's just kind of like a light bulb that, that sort of, you know, clicks in their minds. Um, but yeah, that's they, they, yeah, they give me different reactions. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned you have a summit coming up. So talk about that. Yes. So um, the Gladiators Women in Sports Empowerment Summit is a day long summit, and it's really designed to inspire, empower and connect women in the sports industry. So it's basically in two parts. There's like a conference portion and then a mixer portion. And at the conference portion, we'll have workshops that deal with personal health and wellness Um, personal brand development, leadership development, and then financial literacy. 
And then we have panel a panel discussion of expert women in sports, and we'll have lunch and a keynote address. And um, then the mixer will have another panel discussion and then two hours of sort of networking, mixing and mingling. And we, we have some really great women involved. Um, Jocelyn Moore, who is the executive vice president of communications and public affairs for the NFL, is doing our keynote address. There's uh, Nicole Lynn, who is a sports agent for Young Money Sports. She's one of our panelists. We have um, four-time Olympian Carolyn Joyce, who is going to be on the panel. Nikki Colin, head coach of the Atlanta Dream, and it's like the wow. WNBA coach of the year. What we, a lineup. Yes, it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing. And um, so we're really excited about that. We have the support of the NFL and that Super Bowl host committee. And we're about to announce officially, but I can, I can say it on here as well, that we have some wonderful support from BMW, who's one of our official sponsors. Nice. Yeah. What do you want people to walk away with when they leave the summit? I want them to walk away with more connections, knowing more women in the industry who are able and willing to help them. I want them to walk away with tools, right? So like the workshops are really designed to give you tools. I, I am a firm believer that, you know, I could give career advice all day, but if we're not looking at the whole woman, you know, the career advice sometimes can be can be a moot point. So I want women to walk away with tools on how to better manage their money, how to, you know, you know, beat the anxiety at work because they, they have these wellness tools that they've learned. I want women to know how to um, brand themselves. So I want them to have more connections. I want them to have tools and I want them to be inspired to keep doing what they're doing and do it at a, on a bigger scale. You talk a lot about networking, and I can't remember where I read this, but you said one trick that I use is that I prepare two to three questions that I'll ask everyone I come in contact with. Right. Do you have an example? Could you give us an example of one of those questions? Um, yeah. So this was, this is actually, I, I do it less now because I'm just less nervous <laughs> to talk to people. Um, but one of the questions I would ask is I would ask people what brought them to the event, like how they got to the event. I think sometimes that would lead to questions, I mean, or responses, conversations about where people work, about other people that they know. Um, another question I would ask is, um, you know, well, what school did they go to? I found that um, talking about schools, I, I just, for me personally, there's always some sort of connection. Oh, I know somebody that went to this school or, you know, that's my favorite, that whatever there's like, that's usually a conversation starter talking about your school and then obviously sports. And I think men talk about sports on a fairly regular basis. That's like a way for them to connect. And so because I'm comfortable in talking sports, it would be one of my questions as well. Mm -hmm. Well, how can we get tickets to the summit and find out more? Yeah. So people can visit gladiatorssummit.com and look at all, check out information about all the other great women who are going to be involved, about the location. And of course, you can uh, purchase tickets there as well. And another way to get tickets is if you just go to Eventbrite, honestly, and type in gladiators and the summit will come up. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. You mentioned a financial literacy workshop. What are you going to be covering in that? I'd really want to talk about some money thoughts. Yes. So me personally, I won't be covering anything, but we have this amazing woman and her name is Mabel Nunez and she is the founder of Girls on the Money. And she will be talking to the women about general money management, you know, sort of developing a savings, developing a budget. But her big thing is investing and showing women how to invest and invest in a way that is going to secure their future. And so I think that is important for women, no matter if you're entry level, mid-level, you know, or C-suite, like women need to know how to better manage our money and to, to not be afraid to invest. Um, yeah, so we could be rich too. <laughs> yeah, women tend <laughs> not to talk about money very much. That's right. So speaking of money, I recently heard the interview you did with Girl Chat Sports with Mo and Mel. It was such a terrific conversation. And one of the things you broke down so well, the issues surrounding the WNBA player, Christy Tolliver, who is only earning $10,000 as the new assistant coach for the Washington Wizards. And I really love that conversation because you obviously knew like all the details. But one of the things you brought up was just walking away from the money. And Mm -hmm. can we talk about that a little bit? Because I'm a cyclist a former cyclist, and cycling is sort of going through a very similar um, position right now. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to walk away from a job because obviously Tolliver is getting benefits from having that job experience, and that's why right. she took it, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to say no and walk away if you're the only one doing it. And right. in that conversation, you also mentioned the hockey players. And that's why that was so successful. Their battle was so mm-hmm. successful because they united. Not mm-hmm. one player was going to sign up. That's right. So how do, you, how do you manage walking away solo and uniting people and sort of that whole conversation? I think, I think it's tough, right? Um, galvanizing people in general can be tough. So when you're talking about walking away as a unit, Um, I'm an attorney by trade and I do employment and labor law. And so, you know, we deal with with labor unions and um, it it can be tough to get people to say, okay, you know, this all might lead to a struggle for us, but it's 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 bigger than our individual issue. And, And if we stand united on this, we can get farther united than we can separate. I think, you know, when we're talking about women's sports, and we're talking about the team unit, I, I think that um, it, it's kind of just a point you have to get, you have to kind of get the majority or get the leaders to just be sick and tired of being <laughs> treated the way they're treated. And it's kind of like the trickle down effect. And I think the other thing is you have to get people to believe as a unit that they are worth more and that, um, you know, there's something that if, if, if what you're doing is undervaluing you, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and that that is hard to get people to see, even though they love it, I mean, especially because they love things so much. Right. Um, so I think that's that's part of the equation when you're talking about team um, ventures, but then individual, you know, sports where the idea of walking away or individual opportunities, the idea of walking away. I I think it is just um, a matter of getting people to realize that scarcity really does not exist, right? So although it might appear that this is the only opportunity to you, 
um, or this is the only chance at sponsorship. I, I just personally don't believe that. I, I believe that if if there's an opportunity and you don't feel like it is a fair opportunity for you, you should wait because the opportunity that is fair, the opportunity that you do believe in is coming. And that's not to say that every fair opportunity is going to pay you exactly what you want to be paid, right? I, I think there are definite trade-offs. Like, you know, sometimes you take a job that pays a little less because of the opportunity or because of the resume builder. But that, because because money isn't the only um, indicator of value, right? So I think there has to be um, a value check done that women are doing that are saying, okay, if it's not the money that I, that is, um, if the money isn't where I want it to be, what else, what other kind of compensation am I going to get? And when you combine those, okay, then is it a fair deal for me? And that's, you know, I, I think I picked up that skill from being an attorney and negotiating, right? Like, I can't always come to the negotiating table with a large bag of money to give someone who feels they've been treated poorly. Usually I have no money to give them. But what other things of value could I could I convince my client to give um, that will make them feel whole? And so women have to do that, too. You know, you line it up. There's money. There's opportunity. There's networks. There's resources. If if in combination those things do not meet your standard, the standard for where you see yourself, the standard for where you want to go, we, we have to walk away because there are, there's always going to be, in my opinion, someone who is going to value you in the way that you need to be valued. Right. I mean, I'm obviously thinking about cycling, but you know, one of the problems with sports is there is a season involved. Mm-hmm. And so you could mm-hmm. definitely miss a season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, I mean, I like what you said about scarcity, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, there is a timing issue involved. I, I yeah. think it's a very difficult question. It, it's difficult, especially in sports. And, you know, our bodies don't last forever. Right. Um, but I and, and so I think, you know, sometimes in sports, the again, you go back, you look at the at the that the money, but you also look at other things that are of value to you. Right. So if if cycling or your sport is super important and like you can't breathe without doing this, then, okay, that is something to consider that you need to be on this bike or you need to be on this tennis court in order to survive. Um, so that, you know, that's sort of on it, that could be on your list, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it really is. It's a, it's a balancing act of, um, when the money is not what you want it to be. Um, it, it's tough. And I I really do like that you mentioned scarcity, because I think, for example, again, going back to cycling, that's how a lot of the teams get women to sign up, because mm. they sort of promote this idea of scarcity, mm. which I think is, mm. is hurting the women. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, money is out there. Now, it, 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 sometimes the money is not coming from a big brand like a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi, but there's money out there. There, there are really, um, you know... S- growing businesses um, who are who are run by people who believe in underdogs and people who support women. And sometimes it really is a matter of the athlete saying, well, this is not enough money for me. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to I'm going to have two jobs now. I'm going to be a cyclist and (laughs) I'm going to go, you know, sort of get my own endorsement deals. And if that means that I have to uh, come up with um, 
you know, 20 small thousand dollar deals as opposed to one big $20,000 deal, then I got to do what I got to do. Right. Do you have thoughts about negotiating? Do you help, you know, your collegiate athletes, for example, with negotiating? Um, no, we, I don't help the collegiate athletes negotiate. In general, the advice I give to about negotiating is um, what I share with everyone. Um, and then obviously I negotiate as in my nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, one of the keys that I have, or, or I guess a couple of the keys to negotiating is, you know, you have to start by knowing um, what you will not accept. You have to know your bottom line and you have to, you know, talk yourself up to be willing to walk away if someone reaches that bottom line or certainly if they drop below the bottom line. And, you know, in the legal field, that kind of comes about when um, we'll just say we'll take it to trial. We're not going to negotiate because this is unfair. So, you know, we'll go to a hearing, we'll go to trial. And so and I think in the career sector, that could mean going and finding another job, you know, walking away. I also think that one of the keys to negotiations is to have multiple options, you know. So if if you come to a negotiating table and you you really want a raise of $50,000, maybe your job cannot give you $50,000. So what you need to have instead are some other things in mind that you would be willing to accept. So if that's more vacation or if that is courses, they pay for courses at a school or, um, you know, something to do with your retirement package. You know, don't come and don't ever, in my opinion, come to a negotiation with just only one thing and one thing only that you'll be willing to accept because it it might not work out for you. Right. What kind of team have you put together for gladiators? (sighs) I put together a very wonderful team of of dedicated women um, who, and, you know, we're talking about this negotiating, you know, the, the women who are helping me, they know that our budget is small. And so, you know, they are not necessarily re- receiving the pay that they would probably love to receive, but they see value in other areas, right? So um, Charlene Castellanos is our director of marketing. Um, we have a young lady, um, Leticia Hanna, who is our director of operations for the summit. And then we have um, some really great interns who are students or former students who just come in from time to time and they'll write articles, they'll run our social media. Um, So it, it, it really is a team of women. Again, we have men who support us, but I look around and it's pretty amazing that it's it's really girl power. Cool. I love that. Yeah. I, I do that too. <laughs> well, it's 2019. So what do yes. you have planned? What are your goals for this new year? Um, for gladiators, the goal, n- number one, is to have a successful sold out summit, which we are on our way to doing. So I, I have no doubt that we're going to smash that goal. Um, We also want to really start developing our mentorship program, um, putting that into full effect, get that up and and running like it should be. We want to start working with professional athletes. So the work that we do with student athletes, we want to continue that, but also branch out and help uh, professional athletes, uh, women, obviously, start to expand their uh, realms of possibilities and preparing them 
for life after sports. So those are our big our main goals for 2019. And personally, I just want to, um, you know, just continue really what I'm doing, continue my spiritual growth, continue to grow financially, um, and to continue to touch more lives. How are you managing your time? Um, very carefully, I would say. <laughs> I really like prioritizing is, is so important. And I have to have every day I have to have a to-do list. I'm very um I'm very much someone who gets motivation from crossing something off of my list. And so every day I have to prioritize like what needs to be done first and put a list of everything that needs to be done. And and sometimes that does mean that I and missing out on some things, but that I have learned to become okay with missing out. And I think right now in this season of my life, I'm missing out on some of the things that are, you know, considered fun. So the surprise birthday parties, the outings, the dinners, I have to say no to those things right now. But I, I also know that that's a season and that there will come a time when, um, you know, I'll be able to say yes to those things. It's, it, it's, it'll be cyclical. But yeah, I have to prioritize. I, I loved one of your Working Women Wednesdays where you talk about saying no. Yes. <laughs> it's so yes. important. <laughs> yes. It's like we, we had a, a few of us got together for New Year's Eve dinner and that came up. It, the word no is so empowering. <laughs> like, <laughs> and when you start being able to say it, you're like, whoa. This is life changing. Yeah. And and as you mentioned in the Working Women Wednesday, saying it saying no emphatically, like really yes. meaning it and sticking to it. I think that's yes. great. Yep. How are you staying physically active? Are you? Yeah, I do. I work out. I actually am coming off of a strained PCL injury. So I haven't I just started running again um at the end of twenty eighteen because but that's one of my I really enjoy running. It's just such a, it gives me such clarity. Um, I think that when I am talking about building mental toughness, that's what it is for me. So running, um, I make it to the gym to do, you know, some resistance training every now and then I'll take, you know, like one of the, um, like cross, not CrossFit, high intensity. I don't know what you call them. Uh, workout aerobic sessions, you know, at some of the local gyms, but running, and actually, you mentioned cycling. I, I really am getting into that. Like, I really, I really like being on the bike. So I got like an official bike. It was used because um, those things are expensive. Yep. But um, I'm liking that as well. Cool. Uh, yeah. Do you like weight training? Um, I used to hate it, but I, I do like it now. I just I like feeling strong. I like feeling like that I'm getting pushed to. Um, to be stronger, I, I don't ever see myself becoming, you know, like a competitive <laughs> weight weightlifter. But I do, I do like lifting. Right. Yeah. Um, I often I have trouble with meal planning, uh, so uh, I often ask people. That's trash. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so, what do you do about meals? Yeah, that is definitely my struggle. Um, I um, I really just try to have like I, I'm I'm a big snacker, so I I try to have healthy snacks throughout the day, um, and that makes it so like my meals don't have to be 
so super, super thought out so that I can just grab like something quick at the house. Like I do actually, I'm, I'm actually a really great cook according to other people. And so every now and then I will find the time to like cook a full meal and then that just have leftovers. But it is a lot of like, we're going to grab a smoothie. We're going to just grab some nuts. Um, we're going to grab a, a quick sandwich or a salad. Um, I'm probably, so I would probably say I'm eating out more, but I'm, I'm just diligent about making smart decisions when I'm eating out. You mentioned meditating. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, um, I remember when I was playing tennis at Howard, I was like, and I probably am, I still am. I'm a very like feisty, aggressive person <laughs> and that like would come out on the tennis court and my coach would be like, well, you just need to chill. Like you need to meditate. And I was like, oh, I'm not meditating. And after, um, you know, I got a little older and I realized, hey, you do need to chill. I started trying to meditate, but I, I, I guess just my personality, it just, it would not fit with me. This idea of sitting and being quiet and just breathing, I just could not do it consistently. But um, what I did realize is that meditation for everybody, like there's not one way to meditate. And I figured out that my way of meditating is um, doing devotionals. So I get up, I pray, I read a passage in the Bible, and I meditate on that. And it has been the most, it, it's calming to me, but I also get revelations about just where I am in my life and, you know, what I need to be doing or, or just encouragement. And so that, that's really key to me. And, and I was able to unlock the key when I realized that everybody, every med there is no one or right or wrong way to meditate. You know, part of your meditation is probably going to be a reflection of the type of person that you are. And that's okay. You know, I have my, I talk about Charlene all the time, but she is one of those people that can sit for, in my mind, it would probably feel like hours to me, but she can sit and do the breathing and, and have these really wonderful meditative experiences in that way. Um, and that's okay too. It's just, it's different. Yeah. So it, it's vital. I think that you find your ways to get settled, to get centered, to get rejuvenated. And it's okay that it doesn't look like everyone else's. That's so awesome. I think a lot of people have, have similar experiences, especially athletes, you know, sort of, mm -hmm. you know, active athletes are, yep. have trouble sitting down. Yes. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yes. You know, if you could offer, you've offered a lot of advice during this whole conversation, but if you could offer one piece of advice, what would you say to listeners? To just do it. I feel like so many people have these great ideas or they have these great um, aspirations and just do it. Like, don't don't be worried about whether or not you have the resources. Don't be worried about who's going to believe in you or what happens if you fail. Just do it, because I really believe that if God places something on your heart, on your mind, on your spirit, is there for a reason. And if you don't execute it, if you don't give it a try, you're really missing out on the life that you're supposed to have. So whatever, that business idea you have, 
that um, that, that creation you have been seeing, just do it. And I think the world will, will open up to you. You know, often I think that it's easy to get started on something and then the troubles arise. So how mm-hmm. do you sort of pass through that, those moments when, you know, sort of the initial excitement is over and you're having to deal with sort of the day-to-day reality of, of this project that you've taken on? Yeah, so one of my um, favorite sort of passages from the Bible is write the vision, make it plain. And so what I do when when those things start happening, I make sure that whenever I have a goal in mind, I write it down and I put it someplace where I am seeing it constantly so that in the midst of all the BS that's going on, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, no, 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 that's the goal. Okay. You know, so what? They're not reading the blog. That's the goal. You know, so what? There's no money. That's the goal. You keep pushing. There will, you know, failures are going to come, quote unquote failures. I I like to say that they're lessons. Those things are going to come. And what they are there for really is to, in my opinion, test your gumption to make you a little stronger and sometimes to correct your path to that vision that you're having. And so don't be afraid of, of the mistakes. Don't be afraid of the failures. Don't be afraid of what appears to be a lack of resources because if you just keep your eyes set on the vision, all this other stuff will sort of fall away. All the other things will get figured out and you'll get there. You'll get to your vision. Well, that's a wonderful, fantastic, inspirational point to stop. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for all your thoughts and generous tips. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you um, not only having me on, but having this platform. Like, it's it's amazing. Well, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I look forward to hearing more from you, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to Cecilia Towns for taking the time to share her stories, and thank you for listening. In the show notes, there are links to the summit, ways to find Cecilia and Gladiate Hers. Find those and the links to other things mentioned in the conversation at hearhersports.com. Hear Her Sports was started to increase media coverage of female athletes and women in sports. 44% of athletes are women, and only 4% of sports media coverage is about women. That's not a number, it's a rounding error. As women, we're all going to benefit from speaking way up, telling our stories, and listening to stories of incredible women like my sporty, adventurous guests. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or through your favorite podcast player. Subscribe to the Hear Her Sports newsletter, donate, or purchase new swag on hearhersports.com. Our theme music is by the band Goldmines, our logo by Agnes Studio. I'll be back in two weeks. Bye-bye. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. 
There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.